The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. I'm Zenith Sloth, co-host of the Dark Times podcast. Sam here tells me you're looking for a good way into the Swissy system. Yes, indeed. Is it a good podcast? Good podcast? You've never heard of the Dark Times podcast? Sam? Welcome back, Stephen. Welcome back. To the Dark Times podcast. We did it. We made it through the holidays. We made it through the holidays. We're in episode 10 now. It's episode 10. Did you think we'd be able to do 10 episodes of I this? I didn't think we'd be able to do three episodes of this. I am right there with you. Um, wow. Anyway, I wanted to check in with you. How was your holiday? It was good, Stephen. I went home, saw the family. Um, I, I watched. I rewatched the whole original trilogy. I don't know if we talked nice. about this yet. But yeah, you I, do that like every Christmas, right? No, you do that every I, Christmas. I do that every Christmas. <laughs> I started doing it this Christmas. <laughs> how was your um, How was your New Year and holiday season, Stephen? It's nice. Um, I had some plans for New Year's that actually got canceled because, like, half of the people in attendance like either got sick or like were exposed to someone with covid so Mm-mm. Mm-mm. it was a damn shame but yeah i had to i had to cancel it. just stayed at home had some champagne with the housemates and there you go it was nice that's it was good great yeah yeah i got um i'm sorry i i just got my booster like a couple hours ago so i'm a little we're gonna be feeling this energy today yeah yeah no you'll be <laughs> you'll you'll be feeling it in like 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 six hours I think. okay yeah okay. like by the time by the time our pathfinder's over tonight you'll you'll be feeling it um shoot we're here um i wanted to talk about restricted items and restricted items item what brought this about today. if you may if i may ask you know it's I'm, I'm glad you asked because i was actually talking with a friend of the show um we were talking about the wealth talent and he was of the school of thought that the wealth talent was broken inappropriate imbalanced you know what whatever um whatever word you want to use and and for some campaigns i could definitely see that like with a zero distance the starfighter campaign i'm running i straight up told you guys like don't don't take wealth. Well, like, I think don't. it depends on the setting. Absolutely. We were using the gear requisition system instead of the traditional wealth rules in the core rule book. So I thought it would be kind of silly if one of you guys took wealth because that, that would be an instance where it's, it's just not appropriate for the setting. Yeah. So uh, what? OK, what's another example? I guess if you were like a group of stormtroopers. Yeah. Working their way up through the ranks, you wouldn't necessarily want the wealth talent. It's another situation where you'd have gear requisition. Yeah, exactly. I think anytime you'd use the gear requisition system, which is pretty much anytime you'd be part of an organization, a military campaign or organization. Yeah. You, you may not find it good for a player to take wealth. So I'm sure there's other times too. So just for the audience, what is the wealth talent? Uh, wealth is a uh, core rule book, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's core rule book. Yeah. Core rule book talent on the lineage talent tree. One of the mainstays, the, the meat and potatoes of the noble class. Uh, it reads as following. It's very simple. Each time you gain a level, including the level at which you select this talent, you receive an amount of credits equal to 5,000 times your class level. I'm almost certain that means your noble class level, yeah. not, not anything else. Not your character level. Yeah, no. You can spend these credits as you see fit. The credits appear in a civilized, accessible location of your choice or in your private bank account. So, pretty fucking That's it? That's, all it says? That, that's it. That's the whole talent. That you is, gain 5,000 credits every time you level up. The first time I became aware of this talent, I just thought it, I was hooting and hollering with delight just because it's it's a little atrocious. Um, by level five, you're like, say you're level five noble, 25,000 credits <laughs> upon a level up. 
that's enough to pay for a bounty. So seriously, I would love to see that sort of. Ah, oh, that'd Ooh, be cool. And but, a player character putting out a bounty for I don't know the the big bad and seeing where <laughs> that goes. Like that would be funny. <laughs> just, yeah. just to put the amount of money you get into perspective. Like obviously, everyone knows that's enough to like buy a. a that's enough ship. to live off of forever. Probably. Yeah. Let me bring up one of my favorite tables in the game. It's the services and expenses table from the core rulebook. This is really nice, just as a game master, just knowing what shit costs. Um, I wish this was a little more fleshed out than it was, but whatever. In the upkeep section, it lists like the monthly costs of maintaining a certain level of uh, comfort for your lifestyle. Average is 1,000 credits a month. Um, obviously, this varies wildly between the game even admits this. It varies wildly across different Star Wars media. This is a situation kind of like hyperspace where you might not want to incorporate or think too hard about external sources from Saga on a... On, on these numbers, but for Saga Edition purposes, these numbers are solid. This is what the developers came up with, and we're like, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> the developers had to reconcile, like, you know, decades of storytelling in the Star Wars universe, and this is what they felt would be appropriate for the game. Um, average living is a thousand credits per month. So, you know, Sam, let's say, let's say you and I lives off of a thousand dollars per month. You don't? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no. God, I wish. So, in one level, you get enough to last for five uh, months 25 months two years <laughs> worth of average income well, in a so level up my noble in this case is a crypto <laughs> is it- <laughs> come on i call it solo coin <laughs> you know that would be a really fun way to flavor the wealth that they yeah. they have like some sort of sketchy alternative currency. That's that why when trade. they gain a level that isn't in a noble level, they don't get extra money. And it's because it's just down that month. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. Even if you take a class that isn't noble for this, you still get the money. Yeah, but you don't. You only get the money for how many? Your, your noble, noble class levels, exactly. right? But every level up, you're still getting money. Because <laughs> it says every time you gain a level. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's calculated based off of your noble class. Oh, yeah. But if, I, if I've got one level of noble, I'm only getting 5,000 credits for the rest of the campaign for each <laughs> each level yeah i mean fuck free money is free money but Thanks, yeah absolutely um, so why is that so I, yeah that's not i mean five thousand credits is a lot yes yeah but this is kind of where like avail weapon and equipment availability comes into play yeah and a lot of people look at this talent and they're like oh my god i can't have that in my game like my level five noble is going to have twenty five thousand credits like no way or even a you know level two 10k credits is nothing to fucking sneeze at. And we were talking about this a little bit off mic, but, yeah. you know, money can do a lot in Saga Edition. What it can't do is save your skin. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of people look at the wealth talent and say, like, that can't be in my game. This is overpowered. This is unbalanced. And I completely understand that feeling. I had the same knee-jerk reaction when I first saw it, but kind of like a few other parts of the game, the worrisome parts of this talent are easily remedied with a few game running choices and a few game mastering choices. So say your level two noble gets 10 K credits, a inordinate amount of wealth compared to any other character at that point in the game. What do they do? You know, obviously the fear is that they run and buy a bunch of, uh, OP gear and yeah. knock down every challenge you present in front of them. Yeah. But mo money, mo problems, right? Maybe <laughs> like, I think, as a, I think as a GM, you should always recognize that the universe that your players are playing in is alive. It yeah. has, everything has consequences and action and stuff like that. Absolutely. If your noble, if your fucking 32 HP noble goes around flashing 10K like it's nobody's business, 
He's going to get some enemies. He's getting pantsed and pickpocketed (laughs) the moment he steps out of the club, man. No, I'm not saying that you should do that. I'm saying that it should draw attention to unsavory parties and like, and use that as a plot hook. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're worried about your noble acquiring something they shouldn't or something more powerful than level two or level three, whatever their level would normally allow, ask yourself as a game master, who's the one selling it to them? Yeah. They can't instantly conjure a heavy blaster (laughs) rifle because they have the credits they need to find someone willing to sell that to them. And, and we'll see pretty soon, it can be a pretty fraught, difficult challenge, an uphill battle to acquire hardware like absolutely. that. Absolutely. And I, I know that the way, you know, some some GMs like to do, just just tell me what you're buying and I'll yeah. say yes or no. Yeah. And some GMs like to do, you know, me personally, you get a fun little character in there who sells like absolutely. Gribdo, the <laughs> the purple Rodian who sells you, <laughs> he's like a faux hawk and he sells you oh, weapons and stuff. And perfect. you just like those characters. Because your players will enjoy interacting with them. Yeah, it'll make the world feel more alive. Exactly. Absolutely. And I understand that for not that's not it for every DM. No. Every DM's like, no, I not. want high strategy action. Of course. No role play. Yeah. And that's your game. That's fine. Of but course. Then you can't really, uh, if you're going to do that, you got to at least look at the licensing rules and stuff yeah. like that. And we'll go over those in, in just one second. Because as you know, Sam, I'm, I'm a big fan of simulated bureaucracies in video games. <laughs> and Saga Edition happens to have an awesome one i think before we i'm oh, sorry before we dive into that yeah i was just thinking about as we were saying it um like other systems fifth edition pathfinder 2 pathfinder 1 even yeah have levels yeah for items it's all about gear in those systems the, and those, those systems have items that you can only get a certain level yeah why doesn't sag edition have item levels that's a great question um and this is something that you know as a as a budding game master i was wondering myself i was like oh my god how do I know what items to give my players if they don't have numbers next to the titles? You know, I don't know what the power levels are like. Well, Saga Edition has a replacement for this. Um, and I think a very appropriate choice the game designers made for the Star Wars setting. Characters aren't about their gear in Star Wars. Even Luke with his lightsaber, you know, that has an important family connection to him and is definitely the exception more than the rule in terms of important weapons in Star Wars. But like, Han doesn't have a plus three striking blaster of of frost. (laughs) He has a DL-44 heavy blaster pistol. And of course, he's forged a story with it. He's forged a connection with it. But it's Han's skill with the blaster. It's Luke's training and knowledge of a lightsaber that matters in the end. I mean, Luke, all right, Luke lives on Tatooine. He's bullseyeing womp rats. Yeah. uh, That are bigger than two meters. And a trained uh, uh, Alliance pilot is like, uh, that's impossible. You can't hit that. He's like, no, I do it all the time. That's all I do. I'm bored. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I understand seeing that, you know, the, an experienced rebel Alliance pilot may have access to more weapons or better weapons. Absolutely. Than our little podunk farmer here, but it's the skills that make the man. It's about the skill. It's about the experience in star Wars. And I think this restricted item system emulates that perfectly. Shall we dive in? Yeah. All right, let's do it. So, restricted items you can find in the core rulebook and also on the ever-helpful Saga Edition Wikia. Um, Restricted items. Uh, You guys have probably seen on items before. It may say uh, a restriction somewhere on the item stat block. It might say licensed. It might say restricted. What does that mean? Well, a licensed item means the owner must obtain a license to own or operate it legally, like a hunting firearm or a car. Uh, That's kind of the level of object I think of, too. What's another thing that requires a license to use and own? Um, um, fishing? Yeah, fishing, sure. Yeah, like a fishing yeah. license? Yeah. Um, 
so a good example. I got a, a, some examples of, of each of these categories here. A licensed item in Swissy is is a blaster pistol. So yeah, that's pretty cool. There's a gun right there. Uh, a Nava computer and the the weapon detector package on a droid. So you guys can kind of see like what sorts of things are licensed. They're like anything that would require like any sort of level of education or training to operate. Are are ships? licensed in star wars saga edition or is sam that... i'm so glad you asked yes ships are also subject to this system as well what i pulled up here is the z95 headhunters actually restricted um i want to see if i can find a licensed ship i bet like the space transports are licensed. yeah the transports probably yeah yeah uh classic example the yt 1300 same model as the falcon that's licensed um and we'll get more into what this means and the nitty gritty of, of like cost and acquisition when, when something's licensed versus restricted versus uh, others. We'll see. Uh, restricted, uh, it says here, only specifically qualified individuals or organizations are technically allowed to own the object. However, the real obstacles of ownership are time and money. Anyone with sufficient patience and cash can eventually acquire the necessary license. Here I've written explosive charge. Uh, power hammer. Did you know about the power hammer? Yeah, I'm familiar. So fucking cool. <laughs> um, I, I Halo three vibes. <laughs> I, I loved it because Starfinder has a famous item that's very similar. And I was like, oh, it'd be funny if it was in Swissy, and it like totally is. Uh, I've blaster rifle is a restricted item as well. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on up, we're jumping to military. Uh, and you guys can probably imagine the real life items that would have a license versus restricted versus military. Uh, a restriction on them. This object is sold primarily to legitimate police and military organizations. A military rating is essentially the same as restricted, except the manufacturers and dealers are generally under tight government scrutiny and are therefore especially wary of selling to private individuals. I have the communications jammer droid accessory here, the overload switch weapon upgrade, and the e-web repeating blaster. Yes, no one's selling. They're you know the Girl Scouts aren't going door to door selling e-webs. That's for sure. <laughs> I just imagine that, like, <laughs> what if a kid for, like, Christmas was like, I want an E-Web! You'll shoot your eye out! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and then illegal. Uh, this one's probably even more self-explanatory than the, the military restriction level, but this object is illegal in all but specific and highly regulated circumstances. I have the Disruptor Rifle, which is famous for turning enemies into a pile of ash upon death. Um, it was so bad that the Empire deemed it illegal to use. Yeah, that's how you know. And honestly, guys, if you ever want to, like, obviously, if you want to know where the fun items are, look at illegal items. Because <laughs> it's, it's so cool. It's like a bunch of heavy weapons are, like, most heavy weapons oh, yeah. are straight up illegal. Um, there's some really fun, like, uh, the Disruptor Rifle, of course, it just turns the target to ash. I, I think the Flechette Launcher is illegal because it shoots, like, blazing like red hot shards of metal at the target. Just great stuff. I just, oh, so good. Give your villain, give the like evil bounty hunter or like the, the big bad um, Imperial officer, just a fucked up illegal gun. Do it. Just do it. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So these are the tiers of restricted items. Uh, Rare is here as well. This isn't like a tier of restricted item. This is like an add on to an already pre-existing level of restriction. The the classic example of a rare item is the Wookiee Bowcaster. So, like, exotic weapons are mostly going to be rare? Or? Many exotic weapons are rare, but not all. Okay. Um, rare items are specifically ones that have, like, a planet of origin, a deep, like, cultural connection to them. Like, um, maybe the Verpine Shatter Gun or something like something that. Something like that, absolutely. Although the Verpine are known for exporting quite a few of them. <laughs> oh, so arms. maybe not, actually. <laughs> so maybe not, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the ones... Um, 
the the ones given to the uh, as examples in the core rule book are the uh, Atatl and the Sesta, which are uh, Gungan oh, the, weapons. The Gungan weapons, yes. And then the the Kashyyyk for the Wookiee bowcaster. Because we all know in Star Wars, all Gungans are shot on sight as soon as they land on any other planet. Gungans are, <laughs> Gungans are the only species I restrict. Um, <laughs> mostly, mostly because I don't want to hear that voice. But other Gungans don't talk like that, Stephen. They kind of do, don't they? They they talk way better than Jar Jar does. Okay, like, but like, if a player wants to play Gungan, oh yeah. which Gungan are they going to talk like? That's a red flag. Absolutely. Jar Jar Binks is like the Joker of the Star Wars universe. Oh, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, rare items usually cost double the listed price. That's staying in. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. So, Sam, how do I go and get a fucking license? <laughs> a fucking license, you gotta ask your parents. A normal license... <laughs> All right, it's a knowledge bureaucracy check versus a DC, depending on uh, depending on what sort of license you're trying to get. Yeah, the restricted items page has an awesome table that has the restriction rating, the license fee, the black market cost. We'll go over the black market here in a sec, and the skill DC required to acquire that license, as well as the time you have to wait before you get it. Now, this is something I've thought about a lot. Like, where can you get a license? I don't think the like distant outer rim mining world is going to have the proper infrastructure or offices to acquire a license. I so do Star Wars license are they under like your name or is it something like a beer and liquor license where you can just pass it to a business? See this these rules specifically mention like a background check and like an electronic paper trail. So I'm going to think that at the very least your name is attached I to bet, these. But I bet like a beer and liquor license you can just buy one off like some shady dude who like already has who got acquired one legally well we can go over that too there's actually uh systems in place for that path of of solving this problem um but i i encourage game masters to think about okay can you get a license in a refueling station in the middle of deep space probably not can you get a license in Mosespa on tatooine that's probably I, the place i think on you could and i'd say you I, would i think yeah. you could like Mos Eisley, Mos Espa, any sort of reasonable concentration of civilization or at least like imperial or republic presence i think is a decent place to get a license i probably wouldn't overthink it um let your players get gear they're already <laughs> gonna have a hell of a time with the licensing system well so. there's no um there's definitely no places to get licenses on dagobah so. yeah exactly <laughs> precisely use, use your fucking uh human sense of common knowledge <laughs> Um, to get a license, you need to make a knowledge bureaucracy check, which if one of your players trained in that, pat them on the back and kiss them on the forehead, because <laughs> holy shit, especially if you're new to Saga and not familiar with acquiring equipment in this game, you're not going to train in knowledge bureaucracy. 99% of the time I see players look at that and go like, what? what? No, why would I? We're shooting stormtroopers, right? Why would I need knowledge bureaucracy? <laughs> um, you can't take 10 or 20, Sam. That is interesting, because yeah. you can only apply once. That makes sense. No, it's not true. You can apply as many times as you have the credits for, baby. But you only pay the credits once per... Per try. Per try. You pay the license fee, which for the, the a licensed object is 5% of its base cost. 100 credit blaster. I don't think that exists, but let's say it does. 5 credit license. The Like we said, the DC is related to the restriction rating. Licensed to DC 10, restricted DC 15... Military DC-20, illegal DC-25. Um, if you succeed, the license will be delivered in 1, 2, 5, or 10 days, depending on the rating. Uh, and you can, like I said, retry as many times as you got the creds for. The request is logged in public records. 
and more restricted items require a deeper, more detailed, more, I imagine, uh, heavily guarded uh, electronic paper trail. And that might come to bite you in the ass later. So, so wait a second. Is this, this is just for getting a license. Right? This is just getting the license. I can get a license for illegal items. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you can. And keep in mind, it said illegal. The object is illegal in all but specific and a highly regulated circumstance. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. A DC 25 50% license fee and 10 day wait time absolutely sounds like a highly regulated and specific circumstance. Jesus. Yeah. 50%. Right. And Game Masters, this is the perfect opportunity to make like the Star Wars DMV. Just make this place as bad. Uh, yeah, just the worst <laughs> as you possibly can. Like, players are rarely equipped to, to deal with bureaucracy as an enemy, and it totally should be a weapon in your storytelling arsenal. Because they can't shoot their way out of it, and if they do, they're going to have bigger problems very soon. And also, this, this sort of setting gives that noble who's playing a senator sort of that time to shine. Exactly. This is another thing I wanted to bring up. This is the face of the party to take center stage and get the big beefy soldier that flamethrower he needs to, you know, <laughs> well, you know what soldiers do with flamethrowers. Um, Water his crops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's cool because it, it makes me feel like the martial prowess of soldier and, and even scout are dependent on the skills and negotiating prowess of the noble. It has this kind of interlocked relationship and that you can't kick. You can only kick so much ass unless the noble gets you all the necessary licenses. Well, Stephen, what if me and my fellow band of 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 ruffians are wanted in six systems with the death penalty in six systems? <laughs> then what? Well, there's a few things you can do. Let's say you're a wanted man. Let's say there's not even noble in the party. Let's say you guys are so bad. <laughs> not even a fucking noble. Not even a disgrace. Let's noble say you're the bad batch. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the scoundrel in your party has some room to wiggle here, too. Say you are, you're a ruffian, like you said. You're just a bad, bad guy. That's the kind of campaign it is. You would never, ever be able to pass the bureaucracy check, and any sort of scrutiny <laughs> in your background would result in instant arrest. You can bribe an official. We all love bribing, right? You can make a persuasion check in place of the knowledge bureaucracy check. or Say you consider yourself a bit of a forger, you can make a deception check in place of your bureaucracy check to forge the necessary documents to move things along. If either of these alternatives fail by five or more, the local authorities are alerted. So, and in this system, intimidate is an application of the persuasion skill, right? Indeed, yes. So, you don't have to bribe, in air quotes, an official. You can also intimidate them. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> No, I, I think different applications of the persuasion skill are appropriate here. It says bribe in the book, and, you know, I, it doesn't even say how much you should bribe. I assume, like, at least the license fee, yeah. maybe double the license fee. I assume fee. it's the exact, like, I'm assuming, like, it's actually the license fee. It, it right? could be. That makes sense. But, I, I mean, I would say that, you know, bribing an official to break the rules, especially if it's, like, an imperial officer, he's probably going to want to see a few more than the 50 credits you'd spend on a license. Uh, well... That's my guess. That's my. Remember, opinion. we talked about you can't bribe stormtroopers. Oh, that's. So I wonder. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. yeah it says tougher stuff. It says stormtroopers are immune to bribing and seduction. I don't know very many people who run it exactly like that. But again, this doesn't have to be an imperial thing. This could be like a corsec representative, someone subcontracting off the empire to enforce rule on a distant planet, stuff like that. It doesn't have to be a, a hyper trained 
<laughs> Super rigid Imperial officer. But yeah, can think it hard. We have to go to the Imperial DMV, and it's like the most hardened like assassin behind working the counter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't assume that that the the sleepy DMV employee is immune to all forms of manipulation. But Sam's totally right. Consider the bribe. I'd say maybe double the license fee. Maybe just the license fee. Consider intimidation. Maybe if they you know roll well enough, or if they're extra scary. And then the deception check to forge stuff, too. And again, think hard on that. If you fail by five or more, the authorities are alerted. Think hard about what it means for the authorities to be alerted. Do six stormtroopers instantly charge out of a hidden door and arrest the party? Do the party not encounter any trouble until they get back to their base and an Imperial officer is waiting there with some questions about their recent activities? Think about how exactly you want to introduce these complications. Um, I don't think dramatically busting down the door is a realistic or even very interesting consequence for failing a check like this. And do you think another option potentially, Yeah. if bribing and forgery are out of your wheelhouse, maybe a mind trick could do the trick? I think so, but that would definitely reckon a dark side point. Oh, 100%. You think so? Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do when when did we see Luke Skywalker use a mind trick to get a big gun to kill a guy with? <laughs> But if I'm getting the big gun from the Empire, then it, then it must be okay, right? I think they cover this in the Alphabet Squadron books, actually. You think so? <laughs> yeah, no, if we steal the war crime weapons, then we can do the war crimes, and that's good, because the Empire isn't doing that. That reminds me of, like, early Star Wars comics, where they were like, we're going to snipe out the Emperor. Have you read those? I haven't read those, no. <laughs> There's a lot of weird ones out there where they're like, yeah, we're going to do this thing. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, this is really weird for the Rebel <laughs> Alliance. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, man. Well, um, let's say persuasion and deception fail. Let's say you can't forge shit. Let's say you can't convince anyone of anything. And let's say no one trained in knowledge bureaucracy because who could fucking blame them? There's one option that remains, Sam. Scum and villainy introduced the idea of the black market. Now you can use a gather information skill check with a DC equal to the same DCs we were talking about earlier, the skill DC for bureaucracy, deception, or persuasion, to locate a seller, a dealer, of the particular gear you're interested in. The game also mentions, hey, throw your players a bonus, maybe up to a plus five bonus if they're on a place like Nar Shaddaa with an especially active criminal underground. I'd also say if the party has particular connections in an area, you should give them a bonus, too. If maybe they did a great favor for a hut lord in the system, maybe they should get a plus two or a plus five bonus on locating this gear. Um, maybe they carry the mark of the local daimyo and uh, something like that. Absolutely. Um, if you do locate a buyer, you will be paying the black market multiplier, which is a times two, three, four, or five multiplier on the base cost of an item depending on its restricted rating so just so i'm clear here buying an illegal item on the black market will cost five times the amount as it would otherwise if for example you go the legitimate route acquiring a license you're only paying 50 percent of the base item's cost so the licensing fee, can you just clarify, the licensing fee is the fee required to get the license for the weapon. You still have to pay the cost of the Yeah, item. you still got to buy the base cost of the weapon, plus any other weird price mumbo-jumbo going on with it. But the license itself is simply a percentage of that base cost. You're paying both the base cost of the item and the licensing fee together. So the licensing fee allows you to purchase the item? Is that what we're... The licensing 
fee allows you to legally own the item. Okay. You could probably find a way, like through the black market, to acquire a weapon without a license. But anytime the party's met with scrutiny or any sort of cargo scanning or anything like yeah. that, someone, some authority figure will, is going to check for licenses, okay. especially if they're walking off the deck of their ship holding a giant flame cannon. Well, I was just, the only reason I asked was like, get license for black market item. For 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 a legal item, buy like ten of that item and just pass them around. You only need license once. <laughs> you only need one license to have as many of that item you you need. That's that's correct. Um, what is funny though would be acquiring a black market item and then deciding to get a license, which you totally could do, right? I mean, where does it say that you can? I guess that in cases which you know you're going to be under intense scrutiny, yeah, it might be a time to acquire a license. Might be fine to get a license or forge one, yeah, like that. Exactly. So. You were saying like you uh, you asked about the cost of getting a license and an item versus just buying the item outright from the black market. Oh yeah, it's I mean as you can see with illegal stuff, it is much more expensive. That's by design. Yeah, that makes I sense. feel yeah, of course. Like I mean, it's the easy way out. It's also much more expensive. You get to avoid bureaucracy, background checks, a paper trail, for example. If you commit a crime with an item that you have a license on, well. Buddy, they're going to find you. Yeah, they that's, will that's, find you. That's the truth of the matter. That's just exactly what's going to happen. Game Masters, take note. Yeah. If your players do something in public with weapons they have licenses on, the authorities know their names, probably the name of the ship they frequent, probably their past locations. They probably, yeah, they probably have ship transponder codes. Yeah. Which gives them, like, every other place they've legally docked. Yeah. And you can pretty much cross-reference that with, where did they buy this thing? And that'll get you pretty close to finding someone. You're you're answering questions to a tartan class patrol cruiser pretty quick the moment you draw a licensed weapon in that cantina brawl. Yeah, just saying. Yeah, just oh, saying. Man. That's rough to think about. Isn't yeah. that cool? It, and that and it also goes back to what we were saying about the world feeling lived in and yeah. feeling like your actions have consequences. It's also a great way for game masters to justify dropping a fuck ton of enemies on your head immediately out of nowhere. <laughs> And be like, where do these guys come from? Like, what do you mean? You pulled you a gun on the guys. Yeah, you killed two men in an alley on Arshada. Some Corsac investigators found it, saw you on footage, tracked down your license numbers, and you're done. So I think that's all the things we cover we had to cover on the restricted items. Um there are things in the system made to help on the player side or on DM side yeah. regarding getting access to restricted items. And I, I compiled a sort of a list. Yeah, Sam, you did great work here. Oh, and I did want to mention before we move on. Sorry, Sam. You'll probably see many items don't have a restricted rating, and that's because they don't have one. They're common. A fire extinguisher, a credit chip, a com leak. These are all common items that don't require use the glow of Glow rod. Yeah, glow rod. Like, oh, get your fucking glow rod license, dude. That shit's illegal. <laughs> like, no, thank you. That could be a planet that you yeah have. you could visit a planet that maybe has illegal or restricted items that wouldn't be otherwise that makes perfect sense um but generally i think you're going to be okay with your glow rod and your and your credit chip and my my uh food processor yeah yeah you're great yeah to get that gray goo but <laughs> man that's, that shit sells hot on the black market five times the base value of my gray goo <laughs> so the first thing on the list here you put is the imprisoned background yes it does as follows. Uh, you were wrongfully imprisoned and spent a great deal of time in an Imperial Penitentiary or in the Spice Mines of Kessel. Perhaps you were framed by an Imperial bureaucrat taking the fall for one of their crimes, or you were locked away so that an Imperial noble could seize your property, belongings, or spouse. The wrongful imprisonment... Not eventually... the spouse! <laughs> Come 
Fine. <laughs> the wrongful imprisonment eventually led to your career as an adventurer, but also established your nemesis, the person had you, who had you incarcerated. As a result of your imprisonment, you start as a hero with a criminal history, but you also have a number of criminal contacts that can help you out. You can obtain black market goods in half the time it usually takes to obtain. That's pretty good. And that reminds me of actually something we did forget to mention. The time required for to acquire the license is also the time required to find it on the black market. Mm. Um, so, for example, if you're trying to find an illegal weapon, let's say a disruptor rifle in the black market, someone with the imprisoned background would find it in five days as opposed to the normal 10 days. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you're up to your timetable. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are taking advantage of limited time in your story, which, by gosh, I hope you are, um, that's a huge savings. Of that course, can mean the difference between acquiring the item and not. Of course, that comes down to your your game allowing use of the background system and having this background from the get-go. Yeah. I don't think you can acquire backgrounds as you play. Uh, no, I don't think you can. Uh, unless cool unless you wanted to, point. yeah. Um, oh, one thing I forgot to mention about the black market as well. If you fail by five or more, someone relevant takes notice. Local crime lord, some thugs who overhear the deal and want in on a cut of the cash, or someone who wants to interrogate or silence you. All right, next on the list is actually a feat that I love. I'm glad you found this one. This is a bonus feat for both scoundrels and nobles. Uh, friends in low places from scum and villainy. Given enough time, you dig up the right tool for the job. Prerequisite, you are trained in gather information. Whenever you would acquire a license for a restricted or military object, you can substitute a gather information check for a knowledge bureaucracy check. Reduce the black market cost multiplier of such items by one. Again, I think that's real worthwhile. Not only does this benefit getting items legit, it also benefits getting items on the black market. Um, fantastic. That's great, cause yeah. especially because you don't have to be trained in uh, bureaucracy no, anymore. No, you don't. You can be trained in gather information, which is, I think, a great skill and has a few other feats that can expand it even further. Um, There's another feat I have on here also that's kind of more specific. Oh, yes? It's the Fringe Benefits Rhodian Species Feat. Oh, you got a species feat in here. Yeah, you know, I got to find some use for them. (laughs) (laughs) You are a well-known member of criminal society and can get the best possible deal on illicit goods. Prerequisite, being a Rhodian. I don't know why. That's kind (laughs) of I like how it says you are a criminal (laughs) and a Rhodian. (laughs) Uh, Whenever you buy goods in the black market, reduce the cost multiplier by two. That's incredible. So, Sam, would you stack this with I would fringe benefits this. and friends and low oh, bases? Oh, absolutely, I would stack this. I would have to agree. I think if a player was willing to invest this heavily, two whole feats in getting black market goods, fucking let them get the black market goods, baby. I can buy military goods for base cost on the black market. That's insane. These two feats with wealth? Oh, my God. There we go. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> that could be our next... um. Our, one of one of our future builds. Oh, like, that'd be a good build, yeah. Um, the the black market dealer. Yeah, no combat skill whatsoever. All he can do is acquire you items. He works in acquisition. <laughs> he works in acquisitions. In addition to feats that are helpful, there's also different talent trees and stuff that you can get at certain levels. Yeah. Uh, one that I found that I'm sure everyone would be useful uh, would find useful would be Bothan resources under the Bothan Spinet talent tree. A prerequisite: Spinet agent. Obviously, of course, uh, your status within the spy net gives you access to additional resources and you know the best sources for restricted or rare items with a successful DC 20 gather information check. You can purchase standard weapons, equipment and transport services at 50 percent of the going rate or rare and restricted weapons, equipment and transport services at 75 percent of the going rate. Damn. No licensing fees. 
fuck it. You just do it. You just call up your Bothan buddies and go like, hey, anyone got, a- <laughs> anyone got a good deal on a CR1 blast cannon? <laughs> like, is it like the Bothan version of like Craigslist or something? <laughs> Perfect. That's a really good one. Um, I like this talent tree a lot. Um, you don't strictly have to be a Bothan to partake, <laughs> no, but, um, but it's a lot easier. Um, Spinet Agent, for example, prereqs are be a Bothan. Or... <laughs> Two talents from the infiltration talent tree. Oh, well, so you, you tell really me which of those is easier. <laughs> the Bothan Facebook marketplace requires two forms of two-factor authentication. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, on the lineage talent tree, which is uh, available to nobles and corporate agents, uh, connections. You're able to obtain licensed, restricted military or legal equipment without having to pay a licensing fee or endure a background check. Provided the total cost of the equipment is equal to less than your character's level times 1,000 credits. In addition, when obtaining equipment or services through the black market, you reduce the black market cost multiplier by one. Well, diddly D, fiddly ha, Sam, this shit is fucking <laughs> sick. You just get a free license, baby. Do you and, just... they say, and they say wealth is overpowered. I feel like this <laughs> Yeah, one... yeah, yeah. Like, this is, this circumvents the restricted item system entirely, as long as it's cheap enough. <laughs> Good, good golly. This is awesome. I like, I think our dealer character would have this talent as well. Um, super, super cool. I, I wonder if, um, I bet there's more too. I bet people will, will find more. So those are like the kind of general talents that directly talk about being yeah. black market and restricted items availability and stuff like that. Yeah, there's yeah. also the application of the persuasion skill haggle. Tell, I saw you put haggle on here and I want to hear about haggle. Yeah. <laughs> Well, good. I'll tell you. <laughs> Jesus. Um, whenever you use the gather information skill, you can make persuasion check as a swift action to reduce by half the amount you must pay to acquire the information you desire. Conversely, you can use this skill as a full round action to increase or reduce the sell price of a desired item by 50%. Ooh. And I see here there's an attitude DC table. If they're unfriendly towards you, the DC is 30 to haggle. Indifferent, the DC is 25. Friendly, 20. And helpful, 15. Now, this is mostly for, like, trying to get more out of what you're selling. Yeah. But you can also use it to get a better price on things. Absolutely. This would totally uh, be perfect for haggling with that black market dealer that's trying to sell you something at five times the base price. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely the time to haggle. Um, Would you think that haggle would be appropriate to bring down, perhaps, a Imperial officer's desired bribe? Um... Say say the imp wants five hundred creds to overlook what you just did. Maybe haggle down, down to four hundred. I don't know. I feel like he's got sort of the power in the situation. If he wants five hundred credits, he'll probably get five hundred credits. That's true. He is one comlink press away from like putting you in space jail. <laughs> yeah, for so. him it's super easy to do, but for you it's five hundred credits. So. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good point. That's a I good think point. if I was an imperial officer and someone tried to haggle with me for their, <laughs> for their, like, you're already bribing me. This is the haggling right here. We're already doing it. You can't try and push my costs down. <laughs> um, there are things that allow you to reroll persuasion checks to haggle. There's oh, There's a bunch cool. of different talents relating to that. Nice. Um, there is, I'm looking at the fringer talent tree, uh, barter. You may reroll any persuasion check made to haggle. You must, however, accept the results of the reroll, even if it's worse. Oh, cool. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. I've also got from the smuggling talent tree. I love this. Illicit dealings. Tree. Smugglers have a knack for locating and negotiating illicit deals. When using persuasion to haggle for restricted military or illegal goods, you may roll twice, keeping the better of the two results. Oh, hey, great. So that's that's the scenario we were talking about earlier, where the party's meeting with a black market dealer. He's 
reaming them because he can. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. And, <yeah>. and <laughs> sorry. He's, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. He's reaming them. He's reaming them. And uh, the, the smuggler can step in and, and haggle and, and roll twice. Keep better. That's hey, pretty good. Some people call that advantage. <laughs> <laughs> this is before that term was in the it was in play. it was it was. So, Sam, you also put down the improviser class here, which I, I had you say for the end, because I think it'll be a good capstone to this topic. Why did you put the improviser class on? Improviser is a it's a prestige class, mm. level seven minimum level. Now, keep uh, in mind, that just so we're clear, so people think we do this wrong. Your eighth level must yes. is the first level you can take improviser. Yes. You would be, let's say, I don't fucking know, scoundrel seven improviser, improviser one. one. Yeah. Don't, don't get it twisted. Uh, prereqs for improviser are... Minimum level seven. Yep. Uh, train skills, mechanics, and use computer, and the skill focus mechanic feat. Now that's not bad. Not the worst what you get. Yeah. No. But for what you get, this is a pretty easy entry. For a lot of prestige classes, it requires like two talents. Yeah. From yeah. specific talents. <laughs> it's nice that this one doesn't. Yeah. Uh, what's cool about the improviser ta- um, prestige class is at second level you get contraband. Oh, I love this. An improviser gains access to illegal goods through their underworld con- connections. An improviser can obtain any combination of items that have an availability of rare or illegal up to a total value of 2,000 credits times one half their class level rounded down. The improviser does not need to pay black market multipliers on these goods Whoa! only their base value. Whoa! Obtaining any combination of these goods requires one hour of work in a civilized or semi-civilized area. Holy shit. However, wait, there's, keep a, reading, there's yeah. more. Yeah. But wait, there's more. <laughs> um, the improviser can select those goods immediately or over the course of their level. However, if the improviser levels up without having reached the contraband limit, any additional credits worth of goods are lost, and the improviser's budget for obtaining rare and illegal items resets with a new level. Okay, cool. So what that means, like, say, level one... It's, or like, it's, well, it's like a wealth two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a bit like wealth, uh, kind of. Like we said, improviser level two will have a contraband uh, budget, I guess, of 2,000 credits. That'll reset when they go to uh, improviser level three, when it becomes 3,000 credits. Um... Sam, I love this class. This is one of my favorite classes. Uh, in that campaign you were running with um, that pop star, Cathar, and, yeah. and her uh, her companions, uh, I played Dav, the kind of... Uh, we talked about him before. He was a Corellian, kind of scrappy... Yeah, like skill uh, monkey. Skill monkey, yeah. He, um, he, he, his deal was he um, stole speeders. He hotwired speeders for uh, the White Snakes. Yes. Um, very, very fun, very cool. I was planning to take him to Improviser uh, once, once we got to the Prestige classes. Just because I think it's perfect. I love the idea of a scrappy, well-connected, almost like supernaturally good at acquiring illegal stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, and the improviser, ta- the improviser um, class is great for that because of the procurement talent tree, Ooh. which is like a whole talent tree about uh, <laughs> being good at buying stuff on the black market. <laughs> nice. That's so cool. Uh, so what it says. You know how to find just what you need, no matter how far you are from civilization or how rare the item is. If you can't find it, you make it. But most of the time, you find it. <laughs> That's great. So there's the black market buyer talent. When seeking an item from the black market, you do not need to make a gather information check to locate a black market merchant. You automatically succeed. What? Yeah. What? Right? Just, it's great. Just what? You're the guy who would find, who would have the connection instead of oh, finding the guy. Oh man, the just forget it. Imagine just swagging onto Narshada and just knowing exactly where to go. And we talked about how items kind of don't have levels or anything, or yeah. they do have upgrades. Stuff yeah, like that. of course. What's cool about the procurement talent tree is you have the excellent kit talent, 
You always make sure that your allies have the best gear available. Whenever you purchase our weapons, armor, or other equipment, either legally or through the black market, all gear you purchase has 50% more hit points than normal and has five more DR than normal. In addition, whenever one of your allies makes a mechanic check on an object that you purchased, that ally gains a plus two equipment bonus to the check. Wow. So like to repairs or yeah. to modify. Yep. Wow. And also, uh, additional DR. Seriously, that um, shit's not breaking. Yeah. You just find him the swaggiest possible version of a heavy blaster pistol? It's great. It's great. Everything else on here is there's stuff about making untrained skill checks or uh, repairing items and stuff like that, which you don't see a lot of repairing for weapons, per se, no. but you see a lot of repairing for, like, hyperdrives. I found a big one right here. Go for it. Only the finest prerequisite black market buyer. Whenever you purchase goods through the black market, you can obtain items that have been modified with the tech specialist feat without increasing the base value of the item. So good. Let's just review it's real so quick what that could mean. So let's just keep it easy for weapons. There's three wep weapon traits under the tech specialist feat. Improved accuracy plus one equipment bonus on attack rolls. Improved damage plus two points of damage on a successful hit. Selective fire switch between auto fire and single shot. Well, and those are just the weapons. Those are just the weapons ones. There's things here for vehicles, droids, devices, and armor. Steven, you missed the point here. What? You get those bonuses without paying the cost. It's, it's one-tenth of the cost of the item or a thousand credits, whichever's more. Which can get ludicrous. Yes. Especially with something like starship weapons. Oh, it's so great. Oh. So uh, cool. <laughs> so cool. The improviser prestige class is probably something we, we would make for our black market Rodian character. Absolutely. And I think maybe maybe folks should look forward to a build like that down the line. Oh, absolutely. Because um, that, that'll, be, that'll be a good time. But for now, we shall take our leave and leave you and come back to you with a different build. Absolutely. This is the part of the show where Steven and I say thank you for listening. And we also point you to all the cool things and places to go see stuff. Absolutely. Sam, episode 10. Episode 10. Well, this is a milestone for us. Absolutely um, is. And we couldn't have gotten here without no, you, the listener. Not at all. Not even close. I mean, yeah. the, what pushes us on, at least what pushes me on, and I'm sure Sam would agree, is the response we get from you guys every week. When we Absolutely. hear how excited you guys are about Saga Edition, how much you guys are enjoying the podcast. Um, it, it fuels me to want to do this forever. And so please reach out, give, shoot us an email. Sam, we'll get you that email in a sec. Hit us up on Reddit, on Discord, on Twitter. Um, we just love hearing from you guys. And unlike me as a child, the love I get from the listeners is enough to keep this marriage together. All, all right. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot there, but that's good. That's good. Um, I want to mention uh, we've got the Patreon still, mm -hmm. which is great. I've got some stuff on there, some maps that I made. Steven's going to put some stuff up yep. there. This month, I'll be putting up my zero distance setting guide. This is a supplement I made for the, my players. Um, I'm going to put it up there as kind of a model uh, as just what this might look like, what it could do. Uh, next month after that, I'm going to re-release something I've made previously. Uh, for an exclusive time on the Patreon, so you guys will have access to that. Oh, that's cool. Probably sometime <laughs> next month, maybe the month after, before I release it to the general public. So, so we've got uh, the Patreon. You can shoot us an email at darktimesswse on at gmail.com. And you can hit us up on Twitter at darktimesswse. Mm -hmm. We've also got things I want to mention. You can review us on Apple Podcasts. And Spotify. And Spotify now. Spotify, yeah. it's super easy. Just click the button and press two, five stars. It's two presses. Five stars. <laughs> uh, one star, if you think that's what we deserve, but please don't do that. You, you know, algorithms <laughs> dominate how information is spread on the internet. If you genuinely think we deserve one star, I would love an email. Explaining yeah, why. an email and would we be will nice. Happily, <laughs> we will happily correct whatever glaring problem we have. 
Um, yeah, and you know, we read out the uh, if we get reviews, we read them out, we shout out the people, yep. patrons, we shout them out when we get new ones. We read like emails, that. yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, it. I don't oh, think yeah. anything back, I'm missing from there. Back to the show, back to the action. Sam, I was going through our transmissions here, and uh, I see that we got a, a pretty concerning message from some guy calling himself Darth Freight. Yeah, leader of the one Sith. What does that mean? And yeah, rule of two. Like, it... what are you new here? <laughs> Oh, it, it seems I was under the effect of a force choke there from from from, from far far away. Sam. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'll just read this transmission out loud and read and it in a totally non-threatening way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here are my words sent to you by the power of the dark side of the force. Can you put like some dark like yeah. ambience in here too? Yeah. yeah. I am Darth Crate, leader of the One Sith. Firstly. I honor you for your perseverance in studying the way of the podcast for these many weeks. That's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) Long have my spies kept watch on your work. Now, however, the time to communicate has come. It is rare indeed that anyone shows the will and strength to create a podcast, though I urge you to consider taking your podcast to the dark side, for it is much better than the light. As you are no doubt aware, I am a Dark Lord of the Sith. My dark side score is equal to my wisdom score. (laughs) (laughs) What if, like, what if they said that in, like, the movies? I I love the. (laughs) The circle is now complete. My dark side score is equal to my wisdom score. (laughs) Anakin's like, what have I done? Your dark side score is not equal to your wisdom score. Do it, and I can kill him. Gain a dark side point. <laughs> sorry, please. Fuck, sorry. Please we continue. Get, yeah, let's keep reading this. <laughs> wait, wait, I have slain thousands in my efforts to achieve my goals. Nevertheless, I feel morally obligated to rebuke you for saying spoilers for the Thrawn trilogy in your podcast. <laughs> That is just wrong. <laughs> There's a Thon- Thrawn fan. I like that. <laughs> Moreover, the time has come to ask you for your option of my bill. Opinion, probably. Opi- yeah, probably meant opinion there. <laughs> Dictated, but not read. Yeah. <laughs> I know my physical stats are not that good, but I am quite old, and this is the best I could get. My high wisdom helps me make up for that, though. With all the force powers I've mastered in my old age with the mental stat bonuses. Sick. Um, I love when we get um, in character. emails in character and, and people keep it up because uh, it's, it's fucking sick. Steven, you know more about Darth Crate than I do. Yeah, and even and... I will admit, I don't know a whole lot about Darth Crate. I just know what I've learned from studying like Ashrod Het because I brought him into a campaign Absolutely. about a year ago. So... Um... Let's talk or are you going to about... let me talk about Darth Crate or not? <laughs> no, Steven! Say what you're going to say. <laughs> we're, we're changing the way this segment works a little oh, bit. Oh, that's right. And he to- Steven totally forgot he was just going to trample I, over my words. I bungled it. Um, Big time bungle. We've got a bounty. We've got a bounty. I'm checking, yeah. I'm checking the oh, logs, yeah. Steven. Checking, are you checking the, the I'm checking database? The, the Imperial database, and we've got a bounty. There's a bounty Darth after Crate. Darth Crate? All right, let's, let's hear about this bounty, Sam. I was going to ask you to read. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's see. It says here on the bounty, 
Uh, let's see. Darth Crate's got seven levels in Jedi, four levels in Jedi Knight, four levels in Sith Apprentice, and five levels in Sith Lord. But Sam! Yeah? But Sam! Yeah? Why does a Sith Lord have levels in Jedi? Because you need Jedi in order to take levels in Sith Apprentice and Sith Lord. As always, the, the Jedi skill is for someone who studies the Jedi art, and that includes the Sith. Um... <laughs> So Darth Crate, it says here, so he was formerly known as Ashrod Hep, the son of a Jedi master who went to go live among the Tuscans on Tatooine. Um, eventually, he fell to the dark side, exiling himself. I think he got tangled up with the with the Yuzan Vong. It was like tortured for decades upon decades <laughs> really? or something. Yeah, no, this is real. This <laughs> is like the era stuff I don't quite know. Yeah, and then he returned. I thought his whole deal was that he was like, wasn't he cloned like in the Re- Republic? As a Jedi, yeah, and was kind of torn when he found out he was a member. Of, like, he was like half Tuscan or something. Or oh no, that crazy. didn't fuck with him very bad. He was like hanging out with the Jedi Order, and then I think Order sixty six. He went back to the Tuscans. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah, and then shit was rough with the Tuscans. I guess As always. Yeah, and he um he exiled himself because I think he that's right a bounty hunter, not just any bounty hunter. Bald, baldy, red ponytail. Oh, uh, Ora Singh. Ora Singh killed his dad. Orson killed his dad. Orson killed his dad. <laughs> okay. he, he got real pissed, killed her, and was like, ah, fuck, the dark side. Exiled himself, came back after enduring a whole lot of torture from the Yuzan Vong. I think he even incorporates armor that is a yes. Vong parasite yep. all over his body. Um, and he came back to form something called the One Sith. And that's about where my knowledge of this guy ends. It's about where the that's about where the, the bounty information ends. <laughs> um, let me just skim down here. Let's take a, a look at a few of his notable abilities. He's got a wisdom score of 20. And it seems like... Yeah. It seems like he's got a pretty hefty force power suite. Let me run down these. Battle Strike, Dark Rage, Farseeing, two uses of force lightning, two uses of force slam, mind trick, move object, two rebukes, and surge. Got force point recovery, improved force trance, improved move light object, and improved sense force for force techniques. And then force secrets, devastating power, distant power, multi-target power, quickened power, and shaped power. Nice. So just like how it's aligned in his story, I'm pretty sure I think he's a bit sickly by the time he becomes uh, Darth Crate due to or, or yes, Darth Crate due to his advanced age. So. He's a bit more of a force wizard kind of build here, um, but he'll still fuck you up real good. He's got a plus 24 on his lightsaber attack. That's 2d8 plus 12 damage. Um, for self-built lightsabers. Yeah, yeah for, for self-built lightsabers. Uh, he's also got a, a hefty amount of, of uh, multi-attacking options here. He'll fuck you up with double attack. Oh, triple crit. Oh, he's got crit triple crit. Oh, and yeah. whirlwind attack. Oh, whirlwind attack is so great. For those who don't know, whirlwind attack is you make an area attack against all squares within your reach with a melee weapon that you hold. Oh, just you're clearing a room. Yeah. You're (laughs) You're clearing a room. Like that's, that's the, there's going to be, you're clearing the room faster than job of the hut after chugging a gallon of milk. (laughs) And our guy crate here, he's as for use the force modifiers plus 22. Now Um, it's only that because he does have a arm prosthetic. Does he have a prosthetic? Oh, yep. Sure enough. He does does. get a minus one to use the force checks. Normally that'd be a 23. I believe. Yep. That makes sense. Oh yeah, his Von Dune crab shell armor, plus five reflex, plus five to fortitude. Uh, he knows basic bocce, Sith, and Tuscan. This would be a great enemy for you guys to, for your party to encounter. I don't know, maybe in deep space, uh, hugging the 
edge of Vong territory. Maybe they encounter a tortured and insane, angry uh, Darth Crate that confronts the party. Maybe you're telling a legacy era story and you got to deal with Darth Crate directly. Maybe you have a different sort of Sith Lord in mind, but these abilities line up really well to what you think that Sith Lord should do. The stat block has a lot of great uses, very flexible, very powerful. I think a great illustration of a, of a nice force wizard without compromising too much on, on uh, martial proficiency. Well done. This was sent in by uh, Nicholas. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, I want to say before we say anything else, he does have Nemon and Jarkai. Gives him a plus one. Uh, Nemon gives oh, him a plus do? one bonus to reflex defense and will defense when wielding a lightsaber. And Jarkai gives you, when you use a lightsaber defense talent, you gain twice the normal deflection bonus to your reflex defense when you're wielding two lightsabers. Ah, I didn't even notice that this was a lightsaber defense build, but it totally is. Makes oh, yeah. sense, because he's not investing too much on attacking with a lightsaber, so you might as well invest on defending with a lightsaber. Yeah, it looks like his, his normal reflex defense would be 36, uh, but when he's got Jarkai activated, that's all the way up to 39. 39. Good fucking luck. 39 for a build that also deals pretty decent damage yeah with area attacks and triple crit absolutely um can we talk about force powers for a second yeah what what, what do you want to talk about so rebuke oh two uses of rebuke what does rebuke yeah. do because as, I'm as so a, someone you asked. as a fan of you know normal star wars media i don't quite you know they don't say force rebuke <laughs> <laughs> i would love it that'd be a recut of like the pre there's probably a version of the prequels out there where george lucas was like they have to say what force power they use when they're this is a fucking Sentai show. It's Force like. Lightning. Force Lightning. You gotta say it. Force <laughs> Lightning. Force Lightning. Um, Dune Mock. When you when he when you perform. <laughs> God damn. It's really no. funny. <laughs> uh, tell you what, Sam. I'll just read Rebuke to you. Go for it. Because it's a little complicated, especially when you start rebuking rebukes, which you can do. Which is why I want you to mention it because it's just such a cool thing in that way. Rebuke. You harmlessly absorb or deflect one force power used against you, perhaps even turning it against its creator. This is a reaction and the target is one force power directed at you. Make a use the force check. If your result equals or exceeds the check result of the force power directed at you, you harmlessly redirect it and suffer no ill effects. Nice. If your result exceeds the check of the force power directed at you by five or more, you may choose to turn the force power against its creator, who suffers the effect based on the creator's original use the force check Sith Lord tosses some force lightning at you the Jedi Knight in the party effortlessly deflects it back at him he moves down one step on the condition track and takes all the damage that would have normally gone to the Jedi Knight so good unless there's something more though if you successfully reflect a force power back at its originator the originator may attempt to rebuke the force power as well expending a use of the rebuke force power and using your use the force check as the target DC. So now they are using rebuke against the rebuke role you just did. If they reflect it back again, fucking ping pong, <laughs> both you and the originator are re- affected by the force power. So if you successfully, wait, re- really? Yes. If you successfully <laughs> rebuke a rebuke force power, you both suffer the effects of the force power. I thought it negates it. Does it not? You can spend a force point oh, as go. a reaction <laughs> to suffer no effects from a force power that has been rebuked twice. Once by you, once by the originator. Hmm, that's that is wild. Really, really wild. So, 
I was thinking about it as you said it. I was like, there is a place in uh, yeah. Star Wars where we see someone use. I was going to bring it up, Master Yoda, Master fucking Yoda, baby, <laughs> man. That fight hasn't aged well for me at least. <laughs> but when I was a kid in the theater, which you know, that's who who else is it for? When I was a kid in the theater, getting to see Yoda finally kick some ass was so cool to me. I love that he absorbed and was deflecting force powers, and Dooku was like a. Burp, burp. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, no, Palpatine. Was it? Does he do it against Palpatine in the Red of the Sith? Oh, Red yes, Red he does. He does. But yeah. he, we see him do it first. But oh, he does do it with Dooku. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My least favorite scene in Red of the Sith has to be when Yoda's crawling through the vents. <laughs> like, why? Like, what is the point? He's crawling through the vents, bro. He's if escaping. He's running for his life. What do you mean? What is he doing? <laughs> I just think it's so weird to see Ma- Master Yoda, right? Just, yeah. yeah. See, seeing him desperately, like, <laughs> goblin crawl through the vents yeah. was definitely, like, well, I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing because, like, we're seeing the destruction of the Jedi Order. Maybe seeing Yoda in his most desperate, his most rodent-like, uh, is is, is what is what George is trying to achieve. Oh man, I'm so. You know what? Let's just daring George Lucas a little bit more. I'm so glad we didn't get the deleted scene where clone troopers were pretending to be Jedi at the at the Jedi Temple. Is this going to be a scene? Yeah, dude. Wait, tell me more. I've never heard of this. So in Lego Star Wars and Lego Star Wars: The Complete Saga, there is a level where Obi-Wan and Yoda return to the Jedi Temple, and they find, A, they find the hologram footage of Anakin killing the younglings, and B, it's completely inhabited by clone troopers wearing Jedi robes, pretending to be Jedi. (laughs) So this was a Lego Star Wars thing. So, it's in Lego Star Wars. It is an actual deleted scene in Revenge of the Sith. Wow. The reason it shows up in Lego Star Wars is because they had an earlier cut of the film to go off of when making the game. Wow. Well, see, because it sounds like something silly that would make sense in Lego Star Wars. (laughs) But that was gonna wow. I, so it was gonna be Master Yoda and Obi-Wan walking up to these guys in robes and they turn around and they all turn out to be Tamura Morrison. Why is so let's talk about why that doesn't work. They're not force sensitive. No. No, they're you not immediately Jedi would immediately be yeah. able to tell that they were clones and not force sensitive. That's why it doesn't that's why they cut it from the like maybe if this was Scooby Doo, yeah. that would have worked. But it's Obi Wan and Yoda. <laughs> it's so funny, Steven. It's so. I'm just funny. imagining like slide whistle. They turn around with a gun and just. <laughs> Holy shit! Ah, uh, so yeah, so that's one thing we got in Lego Star Wars we didn't get in the movies. Well, that's, that's really cool. I think I think we're okay. I think, I think <laughs> we're, we're better fine. for it. I think we're better for it. <laughs> Um, Sam, that's all, that's all we had for yeah. tonight. We're at the time, you know, it's at the end of the show now. We've, yeah. we've done it. We made it through another one back at it for the new year. Absolutely. This is our first like actual episode of the new year. The yes. last one was recorded. Of last course, year. uh, folks, we got lots of great stuff coming down the pipeline, even more than we've already alluded to. Um, the gears are in motion. The gears are in motion. The gears are in motion and, uh, you will, you will bear the fruits soon. <laughs> You'll bear the fruits of our labor. Um, the dark times is produced and edited by me, Sam. My co-host here is Steven. Uh, you can reach out to us at darktimesswse at gmail.com, or you can hit us up, hit us up on Twitter at darktimesswse. Uh, Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? Into exile I must go. <laughs> Failed I have. <laughs>
That's Yoda, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>